0: Accidentally hit the meat button. <laughs> my wife wishes she had that. <laughs> I wish, no. I'm, I'm kidding. I was joking. <laughs> Great to be here. Uh, remember last week we talked about, uh, we we're talking about this series, Ups and Downs in Life. And I want to thank Kendall and Tiffany. And actually, uh, sorry, now I'm losing my mind. But we had a gentleman, uh, Michael Deal who wrote the script for that little skit. So we we hope that maybe in the future we can do more things like that because we have some very talented people with a lot of gifts and abilities. And so I just want to see people use their gifts and talents. I think when we come as a church together and use our gifts and talents, we're better for it. I think God can use that to bless us and encourage us and help us. So last week we talked about Joseph, and this week we're talking about uh, Judah a little bit. And we'll be diving in. So if you want to go ahead and turn to your Bibles, Genesis chapter 38. And also, if you want to go ahead and get, keep that place, we're going to be in Psalm 51 too later on. Also, we did the Bible app thing again. If, you want to, if you're not sure about how to do that, you can go to events or over to more in the Bible app, the U version, and click on that under live events and check that out. If you have questions, feel free to ask me and I'd love to help you out with that. So the ups and downs of life. So I wanna start off by talking about something special that I had as a young teenage kid. And uh, don't get any ideas, Xavier, or Isabella. This this is probably not the car you're gonna get, so be ready to be disappointed, okay? So here's the vehicle that I had as a 18, 19-year-old. My mom mom felt sorry for me, I guess, and decided to give an 18-year-old kid a Camaro. Uh, and a 1980 Camaro and so this was spot day at South High School we were at my grandma's and me and my friend Dave Horton who actually is my brother-in-law now we decorated this car and uh, it was a cool car it was awesome okay it had uh, you know glass pack mufflers that rumbled when you pushed the gas it had a 350 engine it was nice on the outside. The seats were good, a little worn for being a 1980, but it was a cool car. I felt cool in it, and I had T-tops where I could take them off, and this was a cool car. Spoiler on the back. I, it was a cool car for me, okay? And it, it was a nice car, and I really enjoyed it. I valued it. As you can see, I'm having some fun. Now, look at this next picture here. I don't know where this shirt came from. It needs to go back, but... I thought for a second, I was like, is the collar worn on this picture? But no, I'm just wearing a weird shirt that has like orange and boxes on the sides, and then it has blue, and it's just a weird shirt. I don't know what that shirt is, but uh, I love that car. Well, I loved it and enjoyed it so much that it became part of my identity, and it also became more than what it should be. Now, I'm not saying... If I had a chance to get this car again, I probably would take it, okay? I'm not going to say it. If If anybody feels led this morning to give me that car, I will take it, okay? I'm just saying. But what happened was I started letting this car become more to me than what it should have been. This car became my identity. It became bigger than God in some ways in my life than it should have been. It's good to have nice things, and I'm not saying we shouldn't, But if we put them ahead of God, it's not good at all. And that's where I was. As you can kind of see, I'm kind of standing there like, look at me. This is cool. Now, what happened was, about 20 years old, I was in Mineral Wells. at 7-Eleven Mineral Wells. It's still there across from Mineral Wells School. And I pulled out and got hit. Ruined my whole front side of my vehicle. You talk about being crushed. I was crushed. This was the car I took my sister to school at Edison, dropped her off, and everybody talked about how cool her brother was at school. I got notes from girls that were interested in me because of that car. Okay, But I was crushed when I wrecked it because it had become part of me, and I thought I was cool because of this car. And you know what? When we do things that are failures in this life, it can crush us. And sometimes when we commit sin against God or do things against God, it, it, we feel defeated, we feel torn up, we feel like our life is over, and all these things that we can feel. And we'll talk more about this as we go on, but I want to go back, go to the Scripture. Genesis chapter 38 Verse 1. At the time, Judah left his brothers and went down to stay with a man of aldom, and named Hira. And so the reason why I share that first scripture is this. Last week we talked about Joseph. And at the end of the story of Joseph that we read in chapter 37 was about how how Joseph's brothers decided to, to kill him, and then they decided to just sell him off into slavery in Egypt. And so here's the thing that I want you to pick up on from this. It says, At that time Judah left his brothers, so they went away. It's almost like this. He was running from God, or he didn't want to explain to his father, Jacob, of how they sold his brother into slavery, and how they did all these horrible things. So he just kind of took off. And that's so many times how we just want to run away. When we commit sin against God, or we do something that we know is wrong, and we have a failure in our life, what we want to do is we want to run away. That's what I want to do. I mean, I I had people coming by that I knew, a person I graduated high school that knew I had this car all this time, and he stops by to check on me, and I'm like crushed. I'm like, I don't want anybody to see me right now. My whole world has just been devastated. And that's sometimes what we want to do is we want to run away from God. Sometimes when we do something against God, we don't run towards him like we could or should, but we want to run away from God. And I think that's what Judah was doing. Now, that's kind of my interpretation, but it seems interesting that right after that, he leaves his brothers. And he goes, and he stays away from the family during this time, almost the same amount of time that Joseph is in Egypt. Let's look at Genesis chapter 38, verse 6. Judah got a wife for Er, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar but Err Judah's firstborn was wicked in the Lord's sight so the Lord put him to death the thing I want to share with you today is this is that we are morally wrong and that's what wickedness wickedness means this you're morally wrong if you look up the definition that's what that word means you're morally wrong And how was I morally wrong in the story with my car? I was trying to make excuses about why that happened, okay? Isn't it interesting when we do something wrong, our first inclination is to make excuses of why that happened. Now see, at 7-Eleven at that time, back in 1994, okay, there was this big tree, that was at, in, the, in, the, in the place where you pull out. That tree's not there anymore. So the first excuse I had was, well, there was a tree there, and it was blocking my viewpoint, so I didn't see the car coming. So I, I shouldn't be held responsible for that. That wasn't really my fault, right? Or the guy that was driving the other way was going way too fast when I pulled out, and so therefore it wasn't my fault. That's how sometimes we could be morally wrong as we make excuses about how it works to our advantage because we don't want to accept the responsibility that we could be wrong we don't want to accept the responsibility that we're possibly wrong we need to have a moral authority that's beyond us to say it's wrong now here's the interesting thing about ur is that he had no care about what god's word said he didn't want to follow god evidently He wanted to live a life without morality, without rules, without regulations. He wanted to do whatever he wanted to do. And that leads to a dark place. It's called wickedness, without morality. We need morality, and I can't be the judge of that. You can't be the judge of that because we're gonna do what we wanna do, right? We have to look to a higher authority. God is the higher authority looking at verse 8 it says this then Judah said to unan his middle child sleep with your brother's wife and fulfill your duty to her as a brother-in-law to raise up your offspring for your brother but on wow owen knew that the child would not be his so whenever he slept with his brother's wife Dot, 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 dot. I'm just going to leave it there. You can read for yourself. (laughs) I'm kidding. Uh, To keep from providing offspring for his brother, what he did was wicked in the Lord's sight. So he put him also to death, or to put him to death also. So what's going on here in this situation is that Owen doesn't want to see his brother have any siblings, He's jealous, He's, he feels entitled, and he doesn't want to share anything that he has. And see, in the verse it says it was his duty to perform this act so that his, Tamara or Tamara, could actually receive offspring to have people to take care of her in the future so she could have a son be raised up to provide for her. Because the only way to transfer property or anything like that was through an heir, through a son. And she was being robbed of that. Onan just was like, hey, I'm just going to keep it all to myself. I'm just going to take care of myself. I'm going to make sure my offspring have the right. I deserve the right to have everything that, that Jonah, Judah has come to me. So jealousy or feeling a sense of entitlement is not what God wants for us. Feeling jealous about somebody else. Feeling like, hey, I want to, I I deserve this. I deserve that. That's kind of the way I was with the car. I felt entitled. I felt like, God, you know my life has not been easy. You know how I grew up. You know what I've dealt with in my life. Don't I deserve one good thing? Don't I deserve a car to make me look cool? Why would you take that from me, God? So many times when things don't work the way we want it to and there's moral failure in us or there's something we've done wrong, we feel like we should deserve it anyhow. We don't see anything wrong that we've done. We think we're totally okay and that we're totally, this is totally fine. I should be fine in this. I I deserve better than this. And that's totally the wrong attitude to have. So many times in life, we think we deserve something better. Instead of accepting where we're at and enjoying the moment we're in, I didn't need a car to make me special. I didn't need a, 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 a piece of object, a metal piece of object, to make me feel important. God should have been the one to make me feel important. And that's the way with Onan. He should have realized. That God was the one that took care of things. He didn't need to feel entitled or feel jealous. God would have honored him if he would have done the right things with his life. But unfortunately, he chose the wrong thing. And he dishonored Tamar. T- Genesis chapter 38, it says this in verse 11. Judah then said to his daughter-in-law, Tamar, live as a widow in your father's house until my son Shelem grows up for he thought he too may die just like his brothers so Tamar went to live with her with her father's household so the next thing is this what happens in the wrong way we handle our failure is this we want to control what happens next we want to dictate we want to control i know for me with losing the car i wanted to i wanted to make things other things better i wanted to have a new car right i was looking in the paper for new cars i was looking in the paper for new vehicles that would match that same car i wanted to take control i wanted to dictate what happened next in the story and that's not the way i should have been i was wrestling with this for about two days wrestling with this concept, I was, I was frustrated. I was not understanding why God wouldn't work this out for me. And of course, this has happened many times in my life where I've failed, where I've messed up, where I've done things that I shouldn't, that I sinned against God. And a, one of the greatest books or chapters in the Bible is Psalm 51. I'd encourage you to make sure you read this, not just once a year, but often. Psalm 51 is a great scripture, a passage, that we go to to pour our hearts out to God when we have messed up when we have failed God and this is where Jonah, uh, Judah Onan Er should have learned their lesson to follow God and to seek God they should have asked God for forgiveness they should ask God to be redeemed verse 1 in Psalm 51 as we turn there and look at this says have mercy on me O God According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. So the right way to deal with failure, the right way we should approach failure is to run to God. Run to God. Not run away from God, but run to God. Let's look back at that. It says, have mercy on me, O God, according to unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. There's a few things that I really think are important for us to know as Christians is that God has mercy, God has unfailing love, God has great compassion for us and he can forgive our transgressions. He can forgive our sin. And so it's important for us as we feel this compulsion to run away from God and like God, you failed me or I failed you but you failed me and we run away from God or we are embarrassed about what we've done or we're scared or we're afraid we want to run away from god but we need to run towards god because of his mercy because of his unfailing love according to his great compassion and knowing that we have the knowledge that he can forgive transgressions he can forgive sin it's so important for us to recognize the character of god because you know what satan wants to tell us that god doesn't care about you that you're too far gone. that you're too bad that you're you're messed up But God is always near, close to us, ready to come and be with us. Yet we sometimes want to run away when God is right here waiting for us to take a step close to him. And we need to have the knowledge in our hearts and understand that his mercy is there for us. He loves us. He cares for us. What I love about Psalm 51, too, is I think that that psalm could have been in the New Testament, But what we understand is that it's in the New Testament that David writes it before Jesus. And he's explaining because he understands God's heart. Not many people understand God's heart like David did. David understood the heart of God. And we also need to understand the heart of God. He loves us. He cares for us. The next passage or scripture, verse 2, wash away all my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. Well, the right way to handle things is this, to accept morality. What I love about the verse 2 there is he's saying, wash me clean. He recognizes the fact that only Jesus, or God, in this case, is the only one that can wash away sin. He understands that only God can wash away his sins. He's accepting not his morality, not the way he thinks things should be, but the way that God thinks that things should be. He understands that there's something wrong inside of him, and he needs God to cleanse him and wash him clean. See, I I needed to realize that I was making this car way up here. I was putting this car ahead of my relationship with Jesus Christ. Even though I was a Christian at the time, this car had approached a place in my life that this was my identity. This was who I was. Instead of Jesus being there, the car was there. And again, there's nothing wrong with a vehicle. It's the value that I placed on that vehicle that was the problem. So we need to put Jesus first. We need to accept his morality for our life, not not make up our own. Not make up our own morality and, and decide what we want to live and how we want to live. God is the higher authority. If he is the creator of all things, if he made the universe... Then he has to have a moral code. He has to have a way of living that I need to live, that you need to live, that is beyond all of us. And we all need to pursue that moral code, that accept that morality. Psalm 51, it says this, For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you are right in your verdict and just when you judge. Wow. There's always a time going back to going back to this the story of Judah and Ur and all the others in that story. There needed to be responsibility to be taken. And what we see here in Psalm is David is taking responsibility. He realizes that I have sinned, he says, for I have, I know my transgression, and my sin is always before me, against you and you have I only sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Now we know that this story was written for Bathsheba and David, after David and Bathsheba and that whole story where David had people killed, he actually had uh, all these people that died needlessly to cover up his own sin. And he's saying, I've only sinned against you, what does he mean? He understands that God is the higher authority in all things. He understands that when it comes to living his life, he understands the position that God gave him as king, that he should have took that more responsibly and understood his role in that. See, I need to stop making excuses about the tree or the, the driver of the other vehicle and understand that I did something wrong. I pulled out in front of somebody. In my own life, there's many things that I do that's wrong where I disobey what God calls me to do and I want I don't want to take responsibility I want to make excuses why that was okay when it wasn't okay but David recognizes the fact that he sinned against God he recognizes the fact that he did something wrong that he hurt God he dishonored what God was wanting him to stand for as I think about David's story if you want to take a moment and just think about David David was brought up to be this beacon of light for the Jewish people. Anytime he went to battle, he gave his soldiers encouragement because they saw what God did in his life. They saw him overcome Goliath. And anytime David was around, they had courage. They had faith because it's like we know David is close to God, so we are going to win this battle because we've got David here with us. And he blew it. He wasn't the light that he could have been. But here's the thing. He wasn't going to allow this to just beat him up and tear him up the rest of his life. He understood that once he came to God and asked for forgiveness from God, that God was the one and the only one that could really truly restore him. Last thing here is this. Verse 7. Cleanse me with the hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. And the thing of it is, is we need to surrender to God. We need to surrender to his will. Not take control, but surrender to him and give him the right way to handle failure. The right way that I should handle the things that I fail in is to surrender to God. To recognize it's him that I should allow him to clean me with the hyssop. And what I love about that imagery, and I've shared it before, is when they were in Egypt and God's Spirit came and he was going to kill the firstborn son of anybody that didn't do this, they would put the blood of the lamb over the door to symbolize the sacrifice that they would need to make to spare their family. And so when God's Spirit passed, anybody that had this, this blood applied to the door would be saved, would be spared. And so David knows this, and he's saying the branch that was used to apply that blood on the door was the hyssop. That was the branch they used. So he's saying, God, clean me with the hyssop. Use that branch to put your blood upon me, that I may be saved, that I might be spared. And this should be our heart that we call out to God and say, forgive me, cleanse me, wash me, whiter than snow. I need washed. I need cleansed. I need to be taken from where I am at now. And that only comes from us surrendering and saying, God, I need your help. Now, the, the beautiful part of this is what is he talking about? This joy that can come, this, this happiness, this gladness. What is he talking about? You know, what is he saying? And I will tell you this in my own personal life. After the car situation there for a few days, it took me a while to get to the place where I realized I need to give this up to God. I need to surrender this. I need to to realize that it was my fault, my responsibility, Not, not just the accident, but the whole idea that I made this car bigger than what it was. That this car was my identity and it should have been Christ. It should have been Jesus. Well, the thing is, is that when we don't have any sin in our life, when we are cleansed, When we come before our God and say, God, clean me up, then we can have a great relationship with God. We can have this great relationship with God. When we ask God, clean me up, God, wash me clean, forgive me of my sins. And I've been there so many times when I've seen my life, I've seen how I've gotten dirty, how I've gotten corroded, how I've gotten changed in some way. And when I came back to God, he cleaned me up, he washed me, and my relationship with God was strong again. Like I was back in tune with him. And that's what God wants for all of us. God wants us to be able to have that relationship with him without anything in there between. No dirt, no no smudges that would come in between us. He wants us to be clean. And is your heart clean today? Have you given God everything? When you failed God, Maybe you put other things ahead of God. Maybe you've done things that you know God wouldn't want you to do, just like her, her own. You did things that you knew weren't right, or you were like Judah, you just ran away from God. You know, in this story, tomorrow, she, she gets blessed by God in, in a really cool way. God honors her life. So let's look back and kind of recap this whole thing. What's the wrong way? The wrong way is running away from God. That solves nothing. Running away from God is not going to help you. It's not going to solve your problem. It's not going to help you in that situation. Running to God, that's the better option. Run to God. Ask for his help. Ask for him to guide you and direct you. Morally wrong. You can go out and do whatever you want. And God sometimes allows that to occur. It's interesting how he kills these two brothers, but he allows other people to live. And I think about that, that God has a purpose in everything. And I'm not sure sometimes what purpose sometimes he's doing, but God has a plan for that. God has a purpose for that. One, maybe to teach Judah, because he's going to be a great leader in his family and everything. He's going to bring people back to Egypt where their brother are going to embrace later on. And we'll talk about that next week entitlement you think you deserve something that you don't you think in your mind that you should re deserve that you should have that and it's not really what you should do instead you should accept the responsibility and say you know what I did wrong here I should have fessed up to it and lastly control or surrender are you going to surrender your life for Christ are you going to surrender your life for God not trying to dictate what happens. Trust God with it. See, Judah could have trusted God with his sons. He was so worried about his sons dying that he wanted to spare one son instead of trusting God had a bigger plan and a better plan, that God had a purpose in it. And so many times we want to control our lives instead of surrendering our lives to Christ, and we need to surrender to God. As we have this time of, communion and as we get ready for communion i'm going to pray but if you have a need this morning if you've never asked jesus christ in your heart in your life i want you to understand that god loves you god cares for you so much he deeply cares and loves each one of us The other thing is, I want you to understand that you need to run to God. You need to run to him. You need to accept that there's a morality in this world, and you need to take responsibility for your actions. And the best way to do that is come before His throne and say, God, I need your help. I need your forgiveness. Wash me, and then surrender your life. And you know what David says later on in that Psalm 51, which I encourage you to continue to read? He says, I want to teach people your ways. I want to pass this knowledge on to other people. And we have an option. We have an opportunity to share this message with other people that God loves us, that God cares, that even in our failures, God can use them to speak and do something great with. You know, I think about my ministry after that car. It was not too long after that car was wrecked that God led me to start doing retreats in youth ministry. Those, those retreats still go on today without me. I had one of the amazing youth group at Calvary. When we really allow God to work in our hearts and our lives, God can do amazing things. But when we resist, when we try to do it on our own, we can really mess things up. Let's look to God. Lord, I just thank you so much for everything you do. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for this opportunity today to to take communion. I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, that they'll take a moment and examine where they are spiritually. That Lord, you are able to forgive us. You are able to do these amazing things in our life. And so I pray that you would just come in and that we would be open to your presence in our hearts and our lives and that you would forgive us of our sin. And Lord, that you would just do these amazing things for us, that we could just feel your presence around and about us. Lord, we want to surrender our lives to you. We want to honor you with everything we do. Thank you for loving us. Just be with our time of communion. And if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, I pray, Lord, that they would pray a prayer of just saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I need you to come into my life, and I want to live for you. And Lord, if there's somebody here that has been dealing with some failures in their life right now, that at this time that they would just say, Lord, I've messed up. I put things ahead of you or I sinned against you, Lord, and I want to follow you. I want to seek your name. Just be with us all and just thank you for everything you do for us. In your wonderful name, I pray, Jesus. Amen.